Well, good morning. I'm Jamie Buchanan. I'm the pastor of student and family ministries here. And uh, Paul and his family are on vacation. And you know the old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Well, no, we as a staff, we've done pretty good. I'm not too sure about my youth leaders, though. And so before we get going, I want to start um, with an explanation. Being a youth pastor, you know, I appreciate my youth staff. So in May, I invited them to my house to, for a barbecue with their, their families. And as I was showing them around my home, um, I showed them my wrestling figure collection. And when I showed them that collection, some of the comments were, we didn't know we were hiring a pastor that played with toys. Uh, And then what was even worse was we didn't know we were hiring a pastor that played with dolls. I quickly reminded them that this is a collection of wrestling figures Uh, and I escorted them out of that room. (laughs) Well, a month later, I show up to a home for a youth group, and I find one of my wrestling figures dangling from the chandelier, saying, Jamie, help me. Well, that was at another home. I went to another home for youth group. There was another wrestling figure um, tied up. So I started an investigation. Uh, and in that investigation, I quizzed people and tried to talk. And in the meantime, the youth group thought it was really funny to ask me about my dolls and my toys, um, which I didn't respond until they said wrestling figures. Um, and so we, we, we just kind of, that went on and I thought it would end, but no, we went to Camp Victory and one of my wrestling figures is at Camp Victory uh, in the boys' dorm. Um, I thought it was going to end and then three or four weeks ago, Pastor Paul decides to use my Hulk Hogan figure for uh, an illustration of to be in Christ. And so that I need to explain to you because when he did, he said it's kind of an inside joke. I wanted to explain because we don't want, um, we want to make sure things are clear here. Well, I haven't quite figured out who's done it yet. I've, there's been different suspects um, that have come and gone and, but here's the deal. If you know, then you're an accomplice. So, just so you know. I collect comic books along with other things. And I love to collect comic books from back when I was a kid. And the superheroes are a big thing right now. Superheroes are big um, in movies and TV shows. Some of them we know, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America. My favorite superheroes are a little more obscure Uh, Here we have uh, a record album, a vinyl that's played on a record player. How many of you don't know what that is? Uh, That was how music was played uh, back in my day. It then went from uh, an eight-track cassette to cassette tapes to CDs to digital music now. But it was a record player. I'd go over to my friend's house and always want to listen to the story of Plastic Man and Metamorpho. My two favorite superheroes. Plastic Man, his name is Eel O'Brien. He was a petty thief. While he was trying to break in a chemical plant, he fell into a vat of chemicals. And it turned him into this stretchy man that can stretch and um, form himself into all sorts of different things. You'll hear more about him later. 
He turned over from his petty thief to a crime fighter and a detective, probably a better detective than I am. Metamorpho, uh, Rex Mason, a movie star in a pyramid, found this meteorite and was exposed to its rays. And when it, when it exposed him, he turned into Metamorpho, the element man. He can change himself into all sorts of different elements that are on the periodic element table. Don't ask me to memorize. I don't have those memorized, so I couldn't tell you. But most of you know, if you're good at science. <laughs> so, as we think about this, I want these heroes are going to actually, my two favorite heroes are going to help us understand conforming and transforming. And that's what we're talking about today. If you have um, your Bibles, you can go through. If you don't, um, there should be a note, uh, a note place in your bulletin to take notes. The title is Be Transformed. Be Transformed is the new theme for youth and family ministries. I'm looking forward to that. The key verse being Romans 12.2. And so let me pray before we read scripture together. God, we ask that you open our eyes and ears of our hearts. Help us to examine our lives, to allow your scripture to speak to us. Holy Spirit, uh, um, show us these things that we need in our lives from your word as we seek to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus in our heads, our hearts, and our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And you'll also see there, I have the, when I teach, and speak, I, I, I use the ESV and the NLT, two of my favorite trans, translations. And so I have both of those there. I'll kind of be going back and explain, explaining different terms using those plus the New International Version. So as we look at that, whenever we see a, a passage of Scripture that starts off with the word, therefore... We have to take that word, split it in half, and find out, after reading before, what is, now, um, what, is, what is now the passage that we're going to read after what we've read before. What is now? What is it there for? Why is it there? And Paul breaks down the book of Romans in two big parts. And it can be broken down into many parts, but there are two big parts. One is chapters 1 through 11. And the next is, in the transition here, being uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the transition here then goes from 12 to 16. In Romans 1 through 11, it's some deep, deep, rich theology. Some of the heaviest, heady stuff you're going to study. And we've been looking at some with Pastor Paul in Romans 8. There are some deep, deep things there. A lot of theory, a lot of ideals, a very um, knowledge-based 11 chapters. Then he 
Paul moves into 12 through 16. And as he talks about the theme of 12 through 16, if you want to write down some passages for what I call O-Y-O, on your own study, here's some that you can write down. Romans chapter 1, verses 25 and 28, and they're not on the screen there, so. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 and 19. And Romans chapter 11, verses 30 to 32. These are what Paul says, therefore, because of these things, and he moves on from there. A lot of times, and he moves on to actually 12 through 16, which um, is where the subtitle of the sermon is. We know and we understand scripture and theology. It doesn't stop there. It needs to make an 18-inch journey down to our hearts, and then it doesn't even stop there. It goes from our hearts out to our hands, meaning our lives, meaning what we do, what we think, what we say. It's that way. There's a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum, there's people that really love to study theology and the Bible, and they love to debate it. And they go and they listen to podcasts and they study and they study and they love to know more and more about things, which is good. There's also another side where I tend to kind of fall that's more of the how does this apply, more of the heart and the hands. How do these big theological words and the things that we're studying, what does it look like? And the phrase that I use is down in the dirt. What does it look like down in the dirt in our lives? And so there's that spectrum. If we tend to be too much on the head knowledge with nothing about how it applies, there's not going to be any transformation. If we're all about, hey, I'm going to apply biblical truths and theological truths and scripture to my life, but I haven't studied it, or I don't understand it, or I can't sit still, or I have ADD and I blame it that I can't learn things well, <laughs> like I've used, um, it's bad too because we're not teaching truth. There needs to be a happy medium there. So then Paul continues on, and in the ESV uses plead, the word plead, um, or, um, and then in the New Living Translation, he uses plead. In the ESV, he uses appeal. And here he's saying a sense of importance. I urge you, I appeal to you, look at this. Look at God's mercy in the ESV. Look at, and in view of God's mercy in the New International. Because of all he has done for you in the New Living Translation. So Paul is saying, because of all that God has done for you, all that's been written in 1 through 11, all of these things, you will be able to look back, and you should be able to look back and see God's mercy. So I want to ask us a question this morning, all of us. What has God done for you? If you were to go back and read through Romans 1 through 11... What has God done for you? Well, this is what he's done. He saved us. He's given us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. We turned our backs on him and said no. 
in the sin that we have in our lives. We've turned our backs. We've said no. That sin separated us from God. He said the only way that you can be with me now is through, your, through my son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for you. And he gave Jesus to die on the cross for us. So that we can choose to follow Jesus and have eternal life and live with him. What has God done for you? That's what he's done for you. And Paul is saying, when you see that, there should be some movement in your heart. There should be some desire to live what I've heard others call a thank you life. A thank you life. Thank you, God, for giving your son Jesus. So, Paul continues on to present our bodies, to give our bodies. And what does it mean here? If we keep reading, it gets a little scary. To present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What is Paul saying about what does it mean our bodies? All of us. Our head, our heart, our hands. Your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. That's what he's talking about when he says present or give your bodies. And then he he moves on, and especially when you think about our bodies, we're going to talk about how um, the things that that we, how we interact with the world, both negative, mostly negative, how we interact with the world. He's saying, those are the things I want you to sacrifice. And so there's there's a connection there. But then he goes on and he talks about living sacrifice. Well, when we think about sacrifices, we think of the Old Testament. And we think of um, a sin offering being an animal um, that's brought into the temple. And there's a sacrifice, a shedding of blood. But the sacrifice that Paul is talking about here isn't that. It's a second kind of offering called the whole burnt offering. Let me read to you from uh, this theological book. Tim Keller is one of my favorite authors. And he really explained this to me. The second kind of offering was a whole burnt offering, which was a valuable animal from your flock. It had to be without defect, holy and without blemish. Why? Such an animal was expensive. It showed that all you had was at God's disposal. You did not give God your leftovers. The burnt offering was always burnt totally, And it represented complete consecration and devotion to God. So in Paul's writing about that, he says it's a living, a living sacrifice, meaning it's a daily one. Second by second, minute by minute, day by day. It's a daily sacrifice, an ongoing one of our our bodies, a living one. And then the word sacrifice And Keller goes on to explain it even more. The word living may mean that the sacrifice is a constant thing. The word sacrifice actually means to kill. That makes it a living killing. It it means we must continually renew our position as wholly obedient and at God's disposal. It is what Jesus meant when he said that a follower of his, his must deny himself Take up his cross daily and lose his life. Luke 9, 23 to 24. 
This is what a holy life looks like. To be holy is to be utterly pure, completely set apart. The Christian life is to be a daily giving over of our lives, our bodies in obedience to God, motivated in view of God's mercy, that we all stand at the foot of the cross and see his son dying there. We all stand at the foot of the cross and see Jesus dying for us. That's what it is to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. All of us. Psalms 51. David writes, God just doesn't want uh, the sacrifices of offerings or or just these things that we do through worship and going through the motions. What does he want? He wants a broken and contrite heart. So then Paul continues on. The sacrifice, the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or in the, the new living, it's truly the way of worship. A true and proper a rational worship. The word worship is something I've been having good conversations about with people. Uh, my son and I had a good conversation at the grocery store about it. The term uh, to define worship is, you can define it this way, worth-ship. Worth-ship. Lifting up, putting on a pedestal, making something number one, making something uh, uh, what you follow, the, the all of your life. Worship is way more than just five songs we sing on Sunday morning. Way more than music. Worship is our heads understanding God's mercy, studying theology and studying um, the Bible and studying these things. And then it moving that 18-inch journey from our heads to our hearts where we lovingly, obediently serve God. And we do it through a living sacrifice of worship through our mouth, our tongues, our, our, our tongue, our lips. Not speaking ill or speaking false things. We sacrifice those things to, to God to speak good, to edify, to build people up. Our mind, what we put in our minds, what we think about. We take a living sacrifice, says, I'm going to sacrifice the negative worldly things that go into my mind, and I'm going to think pure and holy and right thoughts. My eyes, I'm going to sacrifice in my life the things I view with my eyes that are impure, that are wrong, that are against God, that are, are sin. But I'm going to look at, at what God wants me to look at. That's him and beauty. And then our hands, our actions, our actions as a living sacrifice will be that the things that we do, the things even that we think about, we can go back into our minds, the things that we do, how we act, how we treat people, all of those are given to God daily as we surrender our bodies. I love the phrase, duh. Mainly because I, a, lot, a lot of people say it to me, well, duh, Captain Obvious. That's one of my favorites. Um, when they're trying to explain something and they explained it well, but I didn't get it. And they were like, duh. 
Um, and so as we think about that, there are some things that I found that kind of were funny to me. The first one over here is somebody's at a store and the clerk, they lined up all these things and the clerk is saying, are you buying these? No, I'm just stealing them. I just wanted to show you first. The one over here is, do gifts keep moving after you scroll past them? Actually, I kind of like that question. I would like to know that. So if you know the answer, talk to me. Um, And then another one that I got a kick out of, if it's in stock, we have it. But the thing, the point that I want to get across to us is that if we look at Romans 5, 8, and we understand Romans 5, 8, that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. God loves us so much that even though there's no no sin, there's nothing that we could do that will separate us from the love of God. He loves us that much. And while we were sinners, not I need to get cleaned up first before I come to God. But he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that, to me, is one of the, the things that God's mercy talks about. And when I read that, and, I, and, and as I'm studying this, it should be no duh. Is it like that for you? Can you look back and look at the cross and see what Jesus has done and, and not be moved? And I don't mean just with feelings, but moved to pursue God. So, Paul continues on, and he gets to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. And now we get to go to one of my favorite superheroes. Plastic Man. What he would do with criminals is he would either form himself into the shape of a briefcase. They would take that briefcase and go and rob a bank and put all the money in the briefcase, which is actually Plastic Man take it back to their hideout and he would form back into himself and put them in big handcuffs made out of his hands. Or he would spring into action uh, in beating the bad guys. I don't know why there's a paddle and a ball there, but um, he would do these things. He would sometimes disguise himself as the table that all the crooks were counting the money on. Then when they're counting their loot, he would turn into plastic man and capture them. My only duh question is, he never changed his colors. The crooks would be able to see the yellow, black, and red, or, and, and not the color of a table or a briefcase. I, I never got that, but I still like him. He would conform himself into images. And what is Paul is talking about there is, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. One author wrote this, the world, what is it? We need to understand what the world is so we don't copy it. Here's what a a good definition. It's the sin-dominated, death-producing realm 
in which all people included at Adam's fall naturally belong. And if you really want to study um, what God is talking about as the world, part of your on your own study, as you, you take stuff home and want to read 1 John 2, 15 to 17. It's a, when somebody says, what is the world? John gives a great example of what the world is there in chapter 2. So the word conformed um, actually means squeezed into a mold. Squeezed into a mold. There's an outer exterior change. I should have made a slide for this, but one of my favorite toys as a kid was... Uh, I'm still talking about toys here. I guess the wrestling figures got me going there. Um, It was this Play-Doh barber shop. Did anybody have a Play-Doh barber shop? Okay. What's ironic about it is why I really liked having a barber shop. And we would, you'd put Play-Doh into the little man sitting on the barber chair. And then you'd squeeze and the hair would come out. And you'd take these little plastic scissors and you'd give him a haircut. I don't know if that was like, like pointing to my future of here, we're going to let you enjoy hair because you won't have it when you're older um, or what. But I loved it. I love playing with Play-Doh. My friend ate a lot of it. Um, I didn't, though. Um, we loved, I loved playing with Play-Doh. You know, and, and we would make, you know, of course, everybody's got to make a ball and a snake, you know, and things like that. And. We would try to make them into things and pretend what they were. But that Plano never changed. That wasn't real hair. That wasn't a real snake. It was just conforming to a pattern. We conform to, can conform to a pattern of this world, and I'm looking at two ways. One is we seek Uh, uh, the patterns of this world in our comfort, our pleasure, our entertainment, our relief of pain, our dealings with relationships. We seek patterns of this world that way. We can. I know I can. And that can be a form of worship. But I think we also, especially us in the church realm, can pursue a conform to a pattern, um, a worldly pattern that is religious. A religious worldly pattern that says, if I just go to all these Bible studies and, and uh, I was in Awana and I memorized all these verses and I'm part of this Bible study, I lead this one, um, I know these things, I go to church, I tithe, I give all of these things, and I'm doing this and I am being transformed into the image of Jesus by doing those things. Those things in and of themselves aren't wrong. It's just we can easily slip into that religiosity looking at at our faith as we just got to do 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 we got to be 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 we got to or do we got to do all these things and not do these things and we can look at it that way god wants us to be transformed 
Am I missing stuff? There we go. And there's metamorpho. Okay, I like him too with Plastic Man. Um, Metamorpho changes himself, uh, his body into, you know, the elements of the periodic table. It could be gas. Uh, It could be um, liquid, uh, all of these things. And he uses them to to trap um, villains and to to capture people. And he's just awesome, an awesome superhero. Uh, The Greek word for transformed is actually metamorpho, which I thought was really cool. At least I got a kick out of it. Um, Metamorpho, the changing. Let's look at together... 1 Corinthians 3.18. Would you turn there with me if you have your Bible? Or it's 2 Corinthians, actually. 3.18. Talking about transformation. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so how does transformation take place? Transformation take place, takes place by renewing our minds. And transfer, tr- transformation is more than just that outward conformity but it's actually an inner complete change. It's inside out as we sing. It's inside out. The one illustration um, that really sticks with me is the caterpillar and the butterfly. Um, in, the, in our garden, I try to let some of the milkweeds grow because I want to see if I can get some monarch butterflies. One time we got some. I put them in, a, I put them in an aquarium tank and... Uh, left them outside and burnt them all up. Um, I'm sorry, but I just felt like I had to confess that. But to, to watch the caterpillar uh, on the leaf form into a cocoon, and from that cocoon comes a beautiful butterfly, or as we like to call it, a flutterby. I don't know if that's from somewhere, but... I just like to call it that. There's a transformation that takes place. And this transformation is a continuing process. Needs to be a continuing process of renewing our minds. Some of the scripture that goes along with that, that you can read uh, and study on your own, is Romans 8, 5, and then Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, talk about how God's word transforms us. As we think about the mind, one author wrote this in the renewing of our minds. The mind is the control center of one's attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Our minds are the control center for our attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. So, in our lives, what Paul is saying, to not be conformed, to stay away from these patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, he's saying rather than 
um, totally um, investing and thinking about and putting in our minds patterns of this world, we need to be putting, renewing our minds with things like God's word, Bible study, scripture memorization, devotions, reading, hearing biblical preaching and teaching, understanding theology. All of those things will, will help us in renewing our mind. Another way we renew, we renew our mind is through prayer. And not just asking God for things like he's a vending machine, but thanking God for prayers that are answered. Praising God for who he is. Praising God for what he's done and, and what he, he has done for us and what Jesus has done on the cross. Praying for other people. Praying in a group. Praying by yourself. Praying out loud. Praying scripture. But prayer. I also believe that confessions of sins, not just to God, but to trustworthy people in our lives that will hold us accountable and pray for us. There needs to be a renewing of the mind takes place in worship, both musically and a lifestyle of worship. Some of the sunsets, um, just been seeing those sunsets and just beautiful. And to see uh, beauty in those sunsets and to see God and worship God um, in other ways. We also renew our minds by sharing the gospel and community. These are ways that we renew our minds. And then he goes on to say, and we understand God's will. With those things, we'll have more of a clear thought of understanding what God wants for us, where he's going. We'll understand those things. So I want to challenge you this morning. How's your head? Have you, have you been um, only caught up and only focused on just studying or just deep theology or just debating? Or have you not even been studying biblical truths and theology and you're missing out? Understanding that then leads should take that 18-inch journey and go to our hearts where it changes our lifestyle and we have a lifestyle of true and, and, and right worship. We live in loving obedience to God. But then from that, it goes to our hands where we don't conform to the patterns of this world, but we're transformed because we pursue the renewing of our mind things. We pursue those things, not because we have to or because we're really religious, but because we love God. Because we understand God's mercy. That's why we do those things. And we do those things out of an act of love. I've seen transformation in my seven months of being here. And here's a couple of things I've seen. Two middle school gals are going to share their testimony with me today and be baptized next week. Talked with a student who's been praying for a friend. And that friend's been asking questions and opening up more. Several young gals that live at Oak Terrace uh, in Rochester chose to follow Jesus on the missions trip. 
adult youth leaders, even though they've stolen some of my wrestlers, love and invest in students here and want to, to understand the importance of mentoring and discipleship. There are students that are stepping up and saying, I don't want to just come to youth group to consume. I want to contribute. I want to lead. I want to help. I want to serve. I could keep going on and on. It's happening. Is it happening in your life? I'd like to ask the ushers um, if they could come forward. You take our offering, but I'd like us to pray as they're coming forward. Father God, help us. Help us to understand Scripture, to understand you, to understand uh, theology and these things so that it can move to our hearts and we can truly love you and serve you and be obedient to you because it comes from our hearts. And then those things and those feelings and, and then move from our hearts to our hands. We want to be transformed to more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. So will you speak to us, challenge us to talk about these things with others, to not just be here this morning, our great worship, great message, that, uh, that was good, but to be able to take it home, take it with us to work, wherever we're going, speak, talk about it, interact with it, pray about it, and bring. we want you to bring um, life transformation to us. In Jesus' name, amen.